Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Wow, that was hard. Um, Being silent is kind of tough sometimes, right? Silence can be awkward. You ever heard silence is golden? Um, Tell that to somebody who's got a two-year-old, you know, that silence is golden. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they want quiet, but when it gets quiet and you got a two or three or four-year-old in the house, you better go running because something is about to bust loose. I mean, probably literally. And so silence is, is something we sort of want, but then when we get, it's a little bit difficult to deal with. Um, one of the things I've heard many, many times over is that a silent church is a sad and a bad thing. You know what I mean? And what that means is, is that sometimes, you know, when you have kids in a church building, you know, it can get a little bit, you know, distracting, a little bit chaotic. But I'll tell you what, that's a lot better than not hearing children in a church gathering. You're not hearing children in a church building. And uh, one of the things that we do that's a little bit different, you know, it's probably a little bit old school, but not all old school things are bad. I think we learn that the older we get. Um, One of the things that we do here is on fifth Sundays, which, you know, just come around four times a year, we will do what we call family Sunday, and we have the kids in here. And I'm I'm not going to lie. It gets a little bit chaotic. I mean, this past one, just a, a few weeks, or end of December, I guess it was, it was loud in here. It, and I've, I've been doing this a long time, and one of the gifts I believe that God has given me is I don't get easily distracted when I'm speaking. I can keep focused saying what I need to say, but Bobby was about at his breaking point uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, not, I wasn't going to like rage, but I was just like, I was starting to tick, you know? I was like, man, man. But I'm telling you, I, as frustrating as that might get, and, and see, here it is. For most of us parents, most of the time, we don't even hear it. It's just background noise, right? I mean, because that's our lives. You live, when you have younger kids, if you've been there, or even if you hadn't got there yet, or you know, you're never going to get there, whatever, you might not understand. But when you've got younger kids, life is just a circus for a while, you know? It's just, you know, I mean, it's just craziness all the time. And so you're like, yeah, I'm good. And somebody who's like, let's say, you know, 23, 24 years old, doesn't have kids, they're like... You know, they're like getting nervous. They're like, is somebody going to do something about that child? You know, and, and maybe if you've gone past the child rearing age and you haven't had kids in the house, the same thing can happen. But the beauty of it is that, praise God, we got these kids here who want to know about Jesus and are excited about Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, uh, my son Andrew, who's six years old, he was not able to come to church. He wasn't feeling well. We just want to be real extra careful. Um, and it about killed him. I mean, for every day for the next week, he was like, you know, when's church again? When's church again? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And thankfully, he was well. He, could, he was able to go. But he was like, I'm ready to go. And so it's a good thing to have that noise, even though sometimes it's like, man, I wish it could be a little bit quieter. But the truth is, is that many times, most of us live in a world of, of just constant noise, you know, constant noise. You know, 
audible outside noise and even some inside noise. And we, we struggle with dealing with silence and we think we want it, but then when we get it, it's just like this wrestling match, you know? Um, there was a study done a few years back in, uh, mostly in Europe, where they realized that uh, most people in the European Union are exposed to long-term noise levels that are considered harmful to their health. And they said that health issues related to these exposures of, of just noise include annoyance, well, that one's really scientific, we all could have told you that, but also sleep disturbance, that makes sense, but they also noticed that they had higher rates of cardiovascular issues, heart issues, you know, and metabolic issues, you know, noise could make you fat, I guess, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm blaming, I'm blaming noise. My kids screaming makes me chubby, that, that's what I'm, I'm gonna go with that. It's not my Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, but it also affected kids' ability to learn, you know, just constant noise. And I will tell you this, um, I would say that if you took a study like that in the United States, I believe that overall it seems like our world, our culture in a lot of areas, especially urban areas, is probably even louder. Because where do a lot of people say, oh, I want to go and get away and relax, I want to go take a vacation in Europe, right? But they've got these issues there as well. And as I said, it's, it's not just about outside noise, it's not just about traffic and loud music or loud children or, or you fill in the blank, it's also about inside noise too. That's the hardest noise to shut down, am I right? You know, um, whether you grew up in a rural area, you can still have this, you know, you might just heard crickets chirp at night, but you still have that inside noise sometimes. You know, you have this noise of like, am I good enough? You know, what's wrong with me? Why is my life not looking the way someone else is? And you fill in the blank with what that noise, what that voice is saying. But the truth is, is that all that noise that we have, and then, and then, if it's not enough, the stuff that's going on in your head, You've got this thing that's giving you a different type of, of noise that's continually comparing you to everybody else in the entire world. Man, I, you know, I, I love social media. I use it. I, it's a good thing. It can also be a very bad thing. But I am thankful to Jesus that I did not grow up as a teenager with social media. All right, for one reason, I'd probably be in prison. <laughs> Just being honest. But the second reason is, when I was growing up, the guys only had to compare themselves to the other guys in your school or in your grade. The girls only had to compare themselves in the way they looked, in the way they acted to all the other girls in the school. Now you have to compare yourself as a 13-year-old to everybody in the world, people who have millions of dollars who can get people to style them and make them look good, and they pose 37 times and post one picture to get it just right, and that's what you got to compare yourself to. That is noise! It's hard, and it's not even any easier for adults. We've got that noise in our hearts and in our minds, and it's just drowning out everything that gives us peace. It's distracting us, and a lot of times it's leading us into spiritual decay. Our spiritual lives are, are rotting away. We're longing for peace, but we're addicted to things that put us in chaos. And a lot of the time, we're resistant to the very things that could give us peace because it's just against everything that we have come to know. Elijah was a prophet of God, and 
I've shared this story in many different ways in the past. It's one of my favorite stories. But Elijah goes and challenges the false prophets of Baal and Asherah to this challenge to see whose God is the real God. And he calls down fire from heaven. You may remember that story. If you don't, go look in 1 Kings 18. It's a really, really interesting story. But he calls down fire from heaven. He wins the victory. God is on top. The real God, Yahweh, is king of all kings. And man, everything is great. And then Jezebel, the queen, says, you little punk, I'm going to kill you. And that sends him just crashing and burning into a tailspin. He runs and just runs and runs and runs for 40 days and nights and just runs. And he wants to die. And we're picking up in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 9. Read along here with me. It says, there he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Can you put yourself in Elijah's shoes? Have you ever been at the point where it's just like, I just don't know if I can keep going on. The noise is too loud. You're hearing that you're not good enough. You know, your boss has shown you by the way they treat you that you're just not up to snuff. You know, your, your husband or your wife has said things that hurt you. Somebody at work has turned their back on you and betrayed you. You know, you fill in the blank. Your kids are breaking your heart. You know, just life is, is, is crap right now. You ever been there? And even maybe to the point like Elijah is where you're saying, I just don't know if I want to keep going anymore. I don't know if I want to keep on putting one foot in front of the other. I don't know if I want to get out of bed anymore. And you can take your anxiety, you can take the thing that's struggling, that's making you struggle right now, and you can plug it in to Elijah's rant. You know, you might not be able to relate exactly to his rant, but you can relate to his feelings. Am I right? And you can take yourself and you can put it there. And can you imagine he brings this, this frustration, this anger, this, this maybe even rage and this fear and this doubt and this worry. He brings it before Almighty God. He's run and run and run and run. And he brings it before Almighty God. And God shows up. God shows up in this, you know, he shows these big, huge things. He shows an earthquake, and he shows a fire, and he shows, uh, you know, this mighty wind like a tornado or a hurricane. It just rips everything apart, but God's not in that. And then God shows up in this tiny little whisper. 
It's against everything that Elijah, and honestly, you and I would probably expect. Because what did we say Elijah had just experienced? He saw God show up how? In one of the biggest ways you could ever imagine. Fire comes down from heaven and just... It, it drinks up water, it, it devours rock, and devours the sacrifice that he had laid out there. And man, I mean, God showed up, and it's like, that's what we want, right? When you're down in your pit of despair, you're in your cave, and you are wallowing, and you don't feel like getting up anymore, you want God to come in and just blow the roof off, right? Show up, God. Have you ever asked for that? Show up, God. But sometimes God shows up. How? In the still, small, in the gentle whisper, in that silence, that, that quiet, that whisper is how God really shows up and makes a difference in Elijah. And here's the thing. I, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Sometimes we want to just say, well, you just have more faith and all the bad feelings go away. Even as God shows up, not in the rocks, busting in the wind and the fire and all that sort of stuff, but he shows up in a gentle whisper, is all of Elijah's anxiety gone? No, because he asks him, what are you doing here? And we stopped, we didn't read that part, but the very next thing he does is he goes through and he gives him his whole lament, his whole rant again. He's saying, I am the only one left. And what he's doing, in case you missed it, I don't think you did, but in case you missed it, he is indicting God Almighty. And he's saying, you, God, are guilty because you have left me all alone. I stood out on a mountain when nobody else, nobody else would stand for you. And you showed up then, but now you're not showing up. Forgive me if you think I'm reading in too much, but I don't think so. God has never hidden the flaws, the worries, the pain, the doubt, the fears of his people, even his heroes. And he's calling out. It did not automatically, when he hears that still small voice, it did not automatically take away all of his fear, all of his worry. But then God goes on to tell him a little bit more. After he gets attention in the still small voice, he goes on to tell him, he's like, look, I've got this person for you to anoint to take your place. I've got this person you to anoint as king and set up a new king. I've got this, this, this. And then he cap caps it all off. He says, there are 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee, uh, knee to Baal, these false gods that he just helped defeat. He's saying, you think you're alone because your heart is weary from the noise going on, but you're not alone. And if I could tell you anything, when you're dealing with that pit of despair, when you're in that cave and you feel like you can't go on anymore, do not believe the lie that you are alone. You are not alone. There are far more that are with you than are against you. No matter what the enemy will tell you, there are far more. And the interesting thing is this. God showed up in this unconventional way of silence, and he has shown up in a mighty way, in a, in a whirlwind in the past. He did that with Job. He showed up with Moses in an earthquake when the mountain shook, when the Ten Commandments were given. And then he shows up to Moses in a fire, in a burning bush, right? And he shows up in these big ways. But this new way, this gentle whisper is different. And it's literally translated in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's a thin voice is one way you can translate it. It's just this thin voice. It doesn't match up 
up, right? It doesn't seem to make sense. It should be a fire. It should be an earthquake. It should be a mighty wind. Elijah was used to the big moments with God. And like we said, that's what we're searching for. But this time in the silence, God transforms Elijah. And he transforms him from wallowing in self-pity to courageous obedience, and then from all-consuming worry to a rejuvenated spirit. And so that's our goal this morning, is for us to see what we need to do. Is in the silence sometimes, God can rebuild us and remake us and reshape us and reform us. We talked about the first week of this series about hurry sickness. Do you remember that if you were here? about this idea that we're going, 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 and it literally is making us sick both physically and spiritually. And then last week we talked about Sabbath rest and how it's not just about physical rest, but it's more about spiritual rest and physical rest. But we've got to slow down and get away and give time for God to work in us. And today, for just a few moments, I want us to look at what silence can do to help us draw closer to God to get quiet before God, to hear God through His Spirit. And it's a struggle because the things that will bring our anxiety to an end are the things that we often resist doing. We look for any other way to fix our problem than the ways that God has laid out. In Australia, for six years, they studied several hundred college students for six years, and they ended the study in 2012. They went and they found that most of the college students, it was like 800 students that they watched for six years. Most of them suffered with sedatophobia. You know what sedatophobia is? The fear of silence. They suffered with the fear of silence. They went absolutely crazy. Like their skin would crawl in different ways it responded and reacted to it, but they would respond in a negative way to silence. They had to feel the silence. You ever caught yourself just when things are quiet, you just drumming on something, you know, humming, doing something. If you get quiet, we talked about last week, what's the first thing we do if we're in a line by ourselves with 15 other people? You can recognize people from this part of their head because that's all we see, Right? Yeah, that's a way of being afraid of the silence. We don't ever want to be alone with our thoughts because that can be a dangerous place. Now, here's one thing I want to point out before we move on from this study, is they realize that almost all these college students had a fear of silence. Take in, in mind, this was over 10 years ago. Can you imagine how bad the data would be now? But here, the beautiful thing that they learned was that it was a learned behavior. And so guess what? You can unlearn it. So if you find yourself dealing and wrestling with sedatophobia, the fear of silence, the good news is, is you can unlearn it. So if you don't learn to sit in silence with the God of peace, it's hard to experience the peace of God. And that's something that we've got to wrap our brains around. If we don't learn to sit in the quiet and listen to the voice of God and look at the inside of ourselves and our hearts with God, we won't experience the peace of God. Silence and stillness can help us in a lot of things. It can help us to be present with ourselves. And that's one of the hardest things to do. It is so difficult. It's so difficult to be present and open and honest with yourself. Who can we lie to better than almost anybody else? Ourselves. Just for example, as you get older, you will learn to walk with your limp. You know, whatever you, know, whatever you hurt, 
It stays hurt a lot of times as you get older, and you'll tell yourself, oh, oh yeah, I'm good. I still got it, you know, and you just convince yourself. I guess that's too personal. Some of y'all are not thinking that's funny. I'm hitting home, right? But I mean, you tell yourself, and you, men, we struggle with it more than anything. If you like sports and you into sports, you will tell yourself at 42 years old, man, I can still play with the 19-year-olds. You'll be like, all right, here you go. Right, where did everybody go? Oh, no, he's dunked behind me. Okay, I didn't realize he went by me. You know, you will tell yourself, you will lie to yourself, and you will convince yourself. We do that with every bit of who we are. And silence and stillness can help us to feel again. It can help me to feel again so that we can be alert to what's going on within us. How many of you, if you're being honest, you might not have ever thought about this, but you don't like to be alone with your thoughts because then your mind starts spiraling. And you start thinking about all the things that you've got going on wrong, all the things that are weighing you down, all the things that you need to work on, but you've been trying to act like they're not wrong. And we get scared when silence comes up because then we've got to deal with the loneliness. We've got to deal with the anger. We've got to deal with the doubt. We've got to deal with all of these things. Psalm 131 verse 1 says this, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I've calmed myself and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child, my soul is within me. And so when we can calm ourselves and not just be crying out in the chaos and just drowning out the silence, we can start to get some peace about who we are with God. And silence and stillness helps us be present with others as well. You know, one of the things that being quiet for even just a little bit every day is that silence teaches us how to listen when all we always want to do is speak. We just want to speak. Um, have you ever uh, caught yourself in a conversation with somebody where you're just watching their lips for them to stop talking so you can start talking? You're like, and did you know you ever done that yeah you have you've done it we do it's like we're not listening to anything they say right we're not listening to anything they say we just want to tell them um one I heard this comedian I, he's one of my favorite comedians of all time for a long time he talks about he says never tell a two or three wisdom tooth tale don't ever go out in public and say man i had two wisdom teeth taken out he said that the people will parachute down I had four wisdom teeth taken out. And they will one-up you, but we, we do that, right? We do that with everything. We've always got to tell our bigger and our better story. We've got to tell those things. We've got to tell those bigger and better stories. And so you've got to listen to people. And when you're silent with yourself before God, it helps you to learn to not speak, and that can carry over to your relationships with other people. It's so important to do. So. What you need to hear is what the Scripture says in Proverbs 10, verse 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's the Bible, y'all. That's not me. Um, Abraham Lincoln was famous for saying something to the effect of, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. But that comes from Scripture. I mean, it comes from a verse like that. But it's also said, you know, um, be thought of as wise, keep your mouth quiet. 
You know, that's what the scripture says. The idea is when you keep yourself quiet, you can hear so much more. You'll become a more thoughtful listener and you'll be more present. An artist by the name of Marina Abramovich um, for several months, a few years back, did an art exhibit where she sat at a table with two chairs, one on one side and one on the other. She sat at a table for six hours a day, six days a week for about, um, uh, or seven hours a day for six days a week for about three months. She did this every day. She sat down and she offered people the opportunity to come sit across from her and no noise, no speaking. They just had to make eye contact with her. And it's interesting, you watch it on YouTube, the expressions of people. Sometimes they break out in smiles. Sometimes they break out in tears. Sometimes you can just see people that are wrecked. And it's powerful. And all they did was look at one another. Because how often do we really do that anymore? We just sit and we make eye contact without any words with people. And it was a powerful thing. And it, it stands out as this truth. If sitting alone for a minute or two in silence with a stranger can impact you that deeply, how much do you think sitting in silence alone with your creator can impact you in just a minute or two? So much more. So stillness and silence can help us be present with God as well. You see, silence is all about bringing our full presence into the presence of God. Elijah's problems, they didn't go away, right? When he first told God, he had to be there in that moment and be present and silent. And and what God reminds us is that he gives us his grace because of what Christ has done. And silence and stillness, when you're listening for God and you're looking deep inside, you can confess your fears about everything going on in your life, your lack of skills or your lack of wisdom, your lack of knowledge or your fear of being inadequate. You can confess your anger, you can confess your guilt, you can confess your shame, you can confess your lust, you can confess your addiction, you can confess it all before God. And the beautiful thing is that God doesn't shame us. It's like he's saying, finally, let it out, let it out, let it out, because if you give it over to me, I can do something with it. You are just going to hold it in and it's going to destroy you. But you got to get quiet before God to ever be that honest with God and yourself. You have to be still. And you see what God needs to do. You find the areas where God needs to do a deeper work in you. Silence isn't about getting things done in the world, but it's allowing space for God to get things done in you and me. That's what we're talking about. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. You see, when we stop and we're quiet before the God of the universe, he starts to work in us, and that makes us more effective to bring him glory out everywhere else. So here's how I want to wrap up this last little bit. I want us to just talk really practically Because I guarantee you, some of you are like me, and you've been sitting here and saying, I just can't be silent. My brain won't shut down. If I could get in a quiet place, my brain still won't stop. And so here's a few things I want to do that can help you. It's helped me some. I'm working on it. Number one is reclaim the quiet time. 
Um, if you grew up in the church, especially maybe in the 90s, if you were around church at that time, uh, you probably heard the phrase quiet time a lot. That was the name that people give to, you know, like reading the Bible, praying, you know, a personal devotion time. But that's not a bad thing. Getting quiet with God every day. Some people journal, write down their prayers to God. But spending time with God, with His Word and in prayer, and just being quiet before God is a way to help you start to speak to God and hear. So you listen first, and then you speak to God. Now, both of those things, stillness and silence, may be overwhelming to you, and you may feel like, I just can't do it. So if you struggle with with silence, just be still for a little bit. Just find a chair that's comfortable and just sit, and you can maybe listen to some worship music. You know, if you can't deal with the silence just yet, just listen to something that glorifies God, but sit still. If the stillness is the struggle for you, and you just fidget, and you just can't be still and stop yourself, then be silent as you maybe go on a short walk. And just say, I'm not going to speak, but I'm just going to walk. I'm going to move. I'm going to notice nature around me. I'm going to, you know, in your mind, thank God for what you see. But be silent and move and work to get both of those things together. What do you do if your mind just won't be quiet? Find a scripture verse that means something powerful to you and just repeat that verse over and over and over again until you drown out all the other noise, all the other voices. Repeat that scripture verse, you know, maybe 23rd Psalm, just a, a verse of it or something or whatever brings you some comfort and some peace from God's word. Start small if you need to. Set a timer. That's something I've started doing is I set a timer for three minutes, and I'm going to just be silent for that time and just kind of listen to see what God is, where God's leading my mind. And if you keep thinking, okay, if you start thinking about, well, i got to go pick up the kids later on, okay, no, go back to that scripture verse, quiet your mind, and just listen. Set a timer and start to grow in that. And the other idea is this, practice CPR. Practice CPR. It doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> When you find yourself sort of spinning out of control in this noise and chaos, whether it be physical noise or noise in here, practice CPR. The first idea is just catch yourself. When you realize your mind is just going too busy and you can't calm down and you can't stop and your schedule's getting too out of whack and you're getting your priorities mixed up, say, okay, I I realize what I'm doing, God, I realize. Just stop yourself, acknowledge the fact, the P is pause to breathe deeply. Pause and, and breathe deeply. Just take a second. Have you ever caught yourself and realized how much tension you're holding in your head and your chest? And you've just sort of been not breathing completely. You just shallow breathing. Maybe not that extreme, but you ever realize that? Just let it all out. Breathe in. And then recite a Bible verse. Recite a Bible verse. That's the R. Recite a Bible verse. It's been said that uh, a Peloton instructor, I, I don't have Peloton, but it said a Peloton instructor said this, I make suggestions but only you can make decisions. That's a lot like a preacher too. (laughs) I can just make suggestions and it's us, each of us individually that has to make the decisions. As I stand up here before you, I don't know all the reasons that you can't be silent because you probably got a laundry list of them. Your schedule, your your kids, your, your husband, your wife, you know, you fill in the blank. I don't know all the reasons you can't be silent. I don't know your schedule. I don't know your kids. I don't know your job. I don't know why it's just too much for you to carve out a few minutes to be quiet and alone and silent before God. But I hope I've given you a compelling argument to think about why you need to start bringing that into your life if you don't have it already. 
It's up to you to realize that God wants to get alone with you and you need to get alone with God. And so I want you to see that wrestling with your schedule, fighting with your schedule to get a few moments to start off your day, especially to be silent and quiet before God, before you hear from his word, before you talk to him in prayer is so important. But here's what I want you to hear. If, if the enemy's trying to confuse you and twist your thoughts, here's the last thing I sort of want you to hear. Not the very last, but most of the last is that silence and stillness are not the end game. God is. We're trying to use silence and stillness to get close to God. And the first way that you can get close to God is being baptized into Christ. As we've said most weeks, you know, to really have the peace of God, you've got to be clothed in Christ. And that's what Galatians 3.27 says, that all of you who are baptized into Christ through your faith are clothed in Christ. But maybe, just maybe, we're going to be silent for just a moment. Maybe, just maybe, we will be reminded if we are in Christ, but we still have the noise going on, we just need to be silent. Resist the noise. Be present with God. Reset your life to become a non-anxious presence in the world. And before the band starts... I want us to practice that very difficult thing of being silent for just a moment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to be silent for just a couple of beats. And then I want you to guide your thoughts into this. God, help me to see the areas in my life that I need to be silent in and listen where you want to work more. Does that make sense? God, help me to get quiet enough to hear where you want to work next in me. And after a few moments, I'll pray for us and then we'll begin our time of worship. So let's be silent. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.